Hey guys, this is Tara. And Jonesy. And this is the, I think, the 11th episode of Cup of Jones. Um, So welcome back to all of our listeners. Um, We just wanted to drop in. We know we usually do episodes on the weekend, but we kind of had a um, busy weekend and haven't got a chance to really do um, the last two weeks of uploads. So we're trying to play catch up. So this is episode 11 um, and it is called To D or not to D, and in a minute you will see what the D stands for. I don't think we um, were idiots. <laughs> well, I mean, it could stand for two different things. Oh. <laughs> so, um, just wanted to let you guys know where things are and where they're progressing in our um, or a fair recovery process. So, yesterday um, we received our a copy of our divorce papers in the mail. So, um, it was quite unexpected. I didn't know they were going to be here yesterday. Um, we actually were supposed to have an appointment to go in and sign them, but she did send a preliminary copy in the mail for us to check out, which caused us to have to kind of sit down and look over them and really have a serious conversation about... Um, what it is that we want to do and if we do want to proceed with um, reconciliation or if divorce is the best option to go. So um, we've sat down and had a couple talks before, um, but it wasn't really like anything as official as it is when you get the paperwork in the mail. So um, this is where we're at now. We have the paperwork. We've looked over the paperwork. And so we are now um, at the point where there's a, a little bit more serious of a discussion that we have had to had together. Um, of course, everyone who's listened knows that we both do still love each other very much so. And um, we are doing a lot better than what we were doing in the very beginning as a couple. Um, individually, um, I'm still struggling a little bit with some things, but... Um, as a couple, we are, I would say, pretty far from where we were um, in the last four months. We've made great improvement. So um, I will let Jonesy kind of chime in on his thoughts about it, um, and then we'll discuss it together as a couple. But we did want to um, just update you guys because we promised we would, and we promised we would keep it real. And we did just get them in the mail. So we decided to make a special episode um, now that we've had them and that we've had this talk and we've had a talk together and just let everyone know where we're at now that it's kind of hit us in the face. So go ahead, Casey, I guess. So we got them in the mail yesterday evening. Well, actually, we probably didn't even go to our mailbox till midnight. So we got them um, in the mail. Uh, My first reaction was just to throw them in the trash. Um, That's what I wanted to do. But they're actually in our bedroom, in a drawer. Um, We've kind of looked over them, kind of not really went in depth with them, but we do have them. Um, Everybody knows divorce is not an option in my eyes. Um, I agreed to just let's get them, let's keep them, let's go put them in a safety deposit box. Um, on the entire agreement with Tara of 48 hours. So what I mean by 48 hours is no matter how mad she gets at me or how bothered or upset that she gets, 
and wants to just run and file for divorce or file for divorce pay or you know take him to the courthouse whatever however you do it um that she has to give me 48 hours um one to calm down to two to realize it's really not that big of a deal if it's not or if it is it is or to clean out the bank account or to clean sure. out the bank account whatever you want to do um but that's where i stand with it um we listen to a podcast um we always listen to podcasts i turned Tara on to podcasts um a few months ago um as in like cool podcasts now all of them revolve around recovery and affairs and all of that stuff um, not all of them there's some sex podcasts that talk about sex therapy and intimacy and there's some crime podcasts that i have and some psych podcasts that i have so not all of them are about affair recovery but the majority of them are about um, building a healthy marriage and um you know affair recovery and the seven process there are seven steps in the process of affair recovery and um so there are quite a bit that we do listen to so the one that we listened to today kind of opened my eyes towards something that I hadn't really thought of or hadn't um, really processed yet because we've been dealing with this. And when I say we deal with this, we literally deal with this every single day. Um, there's questions every day. There's a conversation about it every day, um, no matter what. Um, so the podcast that we are listening to is called Healing Broken Trust in Your Marriage After, After Infidelity. Um, and if you want the episode number, it's 64. Um, and the episode is what happens when the unfaithful, unfaithful is vulnerable. And Tara had been talking to me for a while about being vulnerable. Um, being honest. Um, my first go-to, my first, I don't know, what do you call that? My knee reaction? No, my, my first... My first thing to do in any situation is, is to guard myself. So my first instinct is to lie. Um, most of, of everything is to either say what that person wants to hear and worry about it later or instantly just lie about a situation. Um, so for instance, when this very first started, Tara had, had been just you know she was very emotional which of course she's going to be very emotional her first one of her first questions was did you sleep with her and I said yes not because I had slept with her but because that's what Tara wanted to hear well probably didn't want to hear but definitely that didn't was, want to hear that was her question and so instead of fighting and arguing on all of that the first thing I said was yes no so it wasn't really like that basically it was um and I, i'll take accountability for some of what i did i hounded it wasn't like i just came out and said so did you guys sleep together and he said yeah it was more of um i know you slept together um based on everything that i know you've had to have slept together so you just need to be honest um did you sleep with her and so what i did was instinct like always and i will i will give examples so my first the first thing i said was yes there i slept with her yes so this goes back to my childhood when um either my dad would would ask me something or 
even if I didn't do it, I would admit to it because admitting to it um, would one, yeah, I'm going to get in trouble regardless if I did do it or if I didn't do it, but it stopped. There was no screaming. There was no yelling. There was no anything. It just stopped. Yes, I did it. Or no, I didn't do that. And it stopped. Um, even when I was in junior high or high school and I mowed the grass, if I didn't do it good enough for my stepdad and it was, did you even weed eat that spot over there? Because it wasn't good enough for him. Instead of saying, yeah, I weed eated that spot over there. I mean, I did. And him tell me that it wasn't good enough or tell him that I didn't do it right. My first instinct was to say, oh no, I missed that spot. And then I would go do it. And I know that's probably a pretty stupid or pretty dumb analogy or example of, of what I do. But that's how I grew up my entire life. My, 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 first, my first instinct was to protect myself. Um, so with Tara, the very first thing when she was hounding me about sleeping with, with M was, yes, I slept with her. Because I wanted it to stop. Since then, um, it has been back, <laughs> forth, back, forth of I really didn't sleep with her. Um, but after that first instinct, that's what Tara latched on. And so now it was, so you lied to me then or you're lying to me now. And so this went on for several weeks. I mean, probably hardcore, four, six weeks hardcore with this. Back, yeah. forth, back, forth. I mean, it was it was weeks of yes <coughs> or no. Um, it was weeks of, you know, no, I didn't sleep with her, Tara. I just told you that because if I tell you I slept with her, then you let it go. If I don't, if I say I haven't, then you hound me on, I know you have, and this is how I know you have, and you're lying to me. So basically I feel like I'm being interrogated and the easiest way to let that um, end is just to admit to something that I didn't do and just because regardless nothing that I said either which way really satisfied the answer so that's where we were at with that so listening to this podcast this morning um talking to Tara the past couple of days about you know being open and vulnerable I had no clue what it was was to be vulnerable I mean of course I'm 36 years old I know the definition of vulnerable but I had never known what it was to be vulnerable I've never known what it was like to be brutally honest So this past two days, Tara has found out some different things that I have let her know as far as um, having feelings for M. Um, She was going to be my plan B because I knew once I cheated on Tara, she was going to leave. So she was my plan B. Um, And I want to say that from everything that we've learned and from everything that we've been taught by many therapists, including our own marriage therapist um the trickling of the information and the gradual um it's probably the worst possible thing yeah it's the worst thing that you can do but it often happens in an affair um we've been see i found out on july 7th so um we've been doing this for a couple months and for the most part especially all the physical stuff we had been over but Casey was very hesitant to actually be honest with himself or with me about the emotional part and about the... Um, because if you know my wife, the physical part of the ha- affair it means nothing. would mean nothing to her. 
And that is actually, I mean, to be completely honest, that was actually why it was the easiest thing to admit to was, yeah, it's up with her. Yeah, you know, Physi- because physical to me means nothing. Sex is sex. Um, I don't know if it's because of the trauma that I've had in my past with sex or if it's just, I don't know. Um, to me, the act of sex is nothing more than a penis penetrating a vagina and there is no emotion associated to it. Um, so the thought of him having sex with her was the least of my worries for me an emotional affair is the absolute worst thing in the world and he has known that since the very beginning since we were even just dating or friends that um the emotional aspect of an affair is the part to me that is the most important and the the most heartbreaking so um the physical part is what we literally attacked first because i think it was the easiest for us to talk about and when we were at that place in the discovery phase um we weren't at the place where we could actually sit down and discuss emotions because i would have probably flew off the handle at the information that i um, have found out within the last two days um so I think we were just at a point where we could go to the next step, which was to be honest with ourselves about why this happened. Um, And also like, you know, like not why, but like the motivating factors of the affair and also the emotional impact that it had on the both of us and the emotional um, ties that were involved during. And so I will touch on that. So listening to this podcast this morning and talking to Tara for the past two days. So we've hit the emotional part. Um, You know, when if you listen to our very first podcast or second podcast, I kept saying it's an emotional affair because it really was. There wasn't hardly anything physical at all. Um, With her, I did have feelings for her. I had to admit that to Tara. Um, She was a plan B. So when Tara found out that I was having an affair and left or kicked me out of our house i needed a place to go we live in a place where i know no one i have no friends no family no anything um the closest ones are 16 hours away um so i kept that hidden and so tara's biggest thing has been i just need to see transparency i need you to be vulnerable i need you to be completely honest so the past two days i've been completely honest I think we have made a ton of progress. And by completely honest, I don't mean like we had to start from the very beginning. There is just some stuff that I was going probably to take to my grave. Um, but in the end, I had to be honest. Um, and it was emotional stuff. It wasn't anything about what they did physically. Um, it was about day-to-day conversations and how I would have kick messages between us on a day-to-day basis of how are you doing um what's your schedule like today what are you what are you doing today i mean i don't i don't know any other examples and and to me that part was the hardest to hear because um that to me was the conversations that he should have been having with his wife um and not some conversations that he should have been having with his affair partner. Um, sexual affairs are sexual affairs, but when you start to have conversations like how many miles did you run on the treadmill last night? Or I ran this many, or what are you doing right now? Nothing. Oh, well, I'm, um, um, I think there was one where it wasn't, I miss you. Was, was it, wasn't, I miss you stuff like that. I mean, it was just good morning. Um, I was thinking about you or, 
you know, stuff like that. And that to me is the hardest part to hear. That is the ultimate betrayal. And that is, um, what has caused me to really feel like maybe, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm at the point now where I feel like my husband is only here because, um, he's not there. And especially after hearing the emotional part, um, where he did admit that he had feelings for her and that he did tell her he had feelings for her. Um, apparently she is very cold and very, um, kind of has her own issues and her reply to him was don't have feelings for me which is hilarious because that is exactly what I told him when he told me he had feelings for me in the very beginning um so and so today we listen to this podcast and this podcast basically is talking about being vulnerable with your spouse um and so if you want to listen to that podcast it's a great podcast I mean it really I think helped us a lot even just this morning or today um and it was about talking to your spouse so he used one example of when i'm quiet tara freaks out because why am i not talking to her what is going on am i talking to someone else am i confiding in someone else and to be completely honest it's been really hard to confide in tara lately even before the affair started so i had to sit down with her after the podcast and i had to be vulnerable and i had to keep being completely honest with her and to be honest I literally just told her that I'm struggling. I struggle every single day. I feel like a failure. Um, Since my mom has passed, I feel like I let my mom down. I feel like I let my wife down. Um, Some of you don't know. I skipped my mom's funeral to go to Disney, not because I didn't want to go to my mom's funeral, but because that was the end of my mom. And so that was really hard for me. And if you know my wife, my wife doesn't have a relationship with her mother. So it was hard for Tara to be there with me. Tara's response wasn't cold, but it was, okay, your mom's dead. You're 36 years old. It's time to kind of get over it. It's time to to move on. And I know most of you probably don't know me, but my mom and I were literally best friends. Tara would get so aggravated because... My mom and I would talk 10 times a day, even if it was, hey, what are you doing? Nothing. I'll call you back. We talked literally every day. We texted all day, every day. My mom was literally my best friend. And so when I started struggling with that, I didn't feel like I could go to my wife. So what I did was I confided in someone else. And I confided in someone else because Tara and I were arguing and... She, I I didn't understand um, the relationship between a mother or him and his mom because I simply I don't have one with mine. And so um, it wasn't like right when she died, I looked at him and said, so what? Your mom's dead. Get over it. It was months later. He was still laying in the bed, boohoo crying and would literally I mean, he and I know there is no timeline on grief, and I'm not saying that he should have gotten over it, but it was interrupting um, his ability to appreciate the family that he had here. So I remember one night I looked at him, and he was crying, and I told him, um, all right, you know, you were looking at a picture of her crying, and I told him, you know, okay, so we were supposed to be watching a movie. Give me the picture, and let's put this up, and, you know, try to just... Um, go on about life together because even though your mom is dead 
Um, you are a 36 year old man with a family, a wife and children, and it's completely stopped you from being able to function. Um, I mean, I even had a hard time going to work, right? It, it literally interrupted everything. So I kind of did have to take the tough love approach after a while, simply because I had lost my husband when he lost his mother. And, um, if anybody knows me, you know that I don't sugarcoat and I am, I sometimes do have a problem being gentle with my delivery, but I felt as though he needed to hear how um, it was affecting the rest of us around him and especially me and him when we couldn't even be intimate because he um, just, you know, was so sad and so distraught about losing his mom that it was completely consuming everything we did. So yes, I did have to have that talk, which at the time I didn't realize was going to build a wedge between us, but um, apparently, you know, and it wasn't the right approach looking back on it now. Um, I should have allowed him to grieve and then probably just encouraged him to go get grief counseling and let the grief counselor kind of, you know, take that role and then me just be the supportive wife. But um, I wasn't in that position at that point where I felt or even thought that was an option um, or felt as though, you know, I could do that. So I did just say what I had to say to him about it and kind of just didn't understand why he just couldn't still function as a husband while grieving his mom. And so around this time, Tara and I actually, I don't know if we're saying this on the podcast. What? So we had, um, without going into a lot of detail, we we're having trouble being intimate because of what happened with his mom. So we and were, we, we were decided to, to do some spice things, things up. to spice things up. Right. And, um, so I, wait a minute. I, I'm not, we're not going to go into detail about what it was or who was involved or anything like that. That's just something that needs to be private with us. But I will say that, um, it, I mean, it was nothing outrageous in, we were just trying to do things that would spice up our marriage. And we did, um, kind of cross the line and do something that we swore that we would never do. Um, we had both done things in the past with other relationships, but we decided that when it came to us, we were never going to cross this boundary. And there was a boundary that was crossed. And when we crossed this boundary, not only did it make a wedge between us, but it opened up a lot more issues. It was Pandora's box after that. That what we had. So... What I told Tara this morning, and I will try to keep it together because, I don't know, it was very emotional. I was very vulnerable, I guess. Was I finally vulnerable for the first time? It was the first time I've seen you cry in in a couple... In 36 years, I was for the first time ever vulnerable. So, when I confided in M, I was looking for a friend because I feel like I couldn't talk to my wife. And... The reasons that I couldn't talk to my wife was because I would point out other women when Tara and I were in Walmart. And it does not bother my wife at all. If we see a girl with a big old booty, we both are like, dang, did you see that girl with the big old booty? I usually notice the booty first. And, I mean, that's just our relationship. We're funny. If you see some lady, you know, we talk about it. Same as she does some dude like, Jesus heavens, arm day. I mean, that's just us. And so, with that, we brought that in our bedroom. 
we would role play. We would do different things, thinking of other people. Yeah, we up other we had people. a very oh, bro. Can I talk? No, because <laughs> you will go away too much in detail. No, I'm I not. I just was stopping there. We have so, a healthy sex life. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so with my wife and my mom passing and all of that stuff, Tara buried herself in Facebook. Tara buried herself with work. Tara buried herself with meme wars with coworkers, and I felt like I lost my wife. So I confided in M. I was looking for a friend. I know a bunch of people have sent my wife a question of, how did he confide in someone else? How was he friends with someone else? That's how. That's why. And instead of noticing that my wife was just as hurt as I was, my lazy ass confided in someone else instead of fixing my wife and so I blamed Tara for not paying attention to me I blamed her for burying her head in Facebook and friends and all of that stuff and leaving me just out out and I didn't fix her I didn't take care of her I didn't I didn't comfort her I didn't make her feel like she has a huge ass or big boobs or or whatever we would talk about even though she does I didn't do that with her. I didn't fix my wife. I left my wife there and I moved on because it was easier to face the fact that I was a shitty husband and not her best friend and not her protector and everything that she needed me to be. It was so much easier to confide in someone else so that I didn't have to put the work in. And that's probably the hardest thing that I've had to admit. That's even hard harder to admit than I had an affair but my wife was worth it my wife was literally everything to me and I took it as you know what you don't care my mom died you don't care that I'm struggling so I don't care that you're struggling I'm going to go do this and it was the 100% wrong thing to do and for that I'm sorry and I had to tell Tara that today and I had to open up and let her know exactly what was going on exactly what my thought process was and I'm going to fix my wife I'm going to make sure that she feels like she's number one and that that she is the love of my life and that she is perfect so that was what I had to tell her today and I I want to say that I mean when he says that I was struggling I was struggling a lot with feeling like I was worth it it's one thing to hear my husband say that another woman has a nice ass because I mean like he said we both would joke around about it um but it's another thing whenever but we did this every day yeah it, to I the mean, point where we didn't like our sex life was not about us anymore no it was a lot of role playing and a lot of um there was a lot of porn and there was a lot of other things that made me feel as though I wasn't enough for him in the bedroom and or then, physically attractive to him. The, the women that he would see that um, he found physically attractive did not look like me. We actually talked about that in an earlier episode that we did. We joked that, you know, the women that you said... that's why my said, five were all black. Yeah. <laughs> that the women he said um, he thought attractive just they didn't look like me they weren't heavy and they weren't curvy and they were different races or they were younger or they were you know it was just so many different things and to the point where instead of 
um, looking at him and telling him, I don't want to do this anymore because I thought this is what he needed and what he wanted. So basically I what my wife went along did with it and was, was take care of me. Right. I took care of And put herself him. on the back burner. And when she needed me to pick her up, I cheated because I didn't want to pick her up. I didn't want to put in the work to pick her up. I left her laying in the bed. I left her boohoo crying. I left her feeling like she wasn't good enough. When my wife is badass. My wife is great. And I didn't know how to do it. And I honestly, until we listened to this podcast and we've been talking for the past two days, I didn't even realize that that's what I had done. And I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that I did that to you. I love you. I don't... I don't think that... It was... I don't want to say that I don't think it was purposeful because we both know that the affair itself was a conscious decision to do it, but I I don't think either of us realized... Um, the damage that we were doing to each other just by thinking we were having fun and um, fulfilling each other's sexual needs or desires and I never told Casey that it hurt me I should have I never told him that it hurt I never told him how it made me feel I just called myself I called myself pleasing my husband in the bed and doing things that would be a turn on for him and therefore would be also be a turn on for me and a lot of it had to do with our sex life and and then um, come to find out that both of us were like I don't even really even wanted to do that anymore I just did it because I thought you wanted to do it yeah I mean and it was I mean there's nothing wrong with um exploring and having a healthy sex life. I just think that then, what we thought was a healthy sex life was not a healthy sex life. It was a um very um adventurous sex life and it was fun and it was entertaining and it was exciting, but it but, was not in but, any way healthy for each other. It was not healthy for our psyche to have um that kind of openness you, in our sex life. And then we had And I'm not saying, hold on, I'm not saying that we had an open marriage. We did not have an open marriage. We did not. We weren't swingers. We weren't nothing like that. Um, I do want to put that disclaimer. Um, it was just... I watched a YouTube video where this lady was talking and then she like paused the video and she said and this is the edited me. I need to put this out there. That blah 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I need to put that disclaimer in there. We... We weren't swingers. We weren't having, you know, orgies and all that stuff. It wasn't anything like that. Um, the things that we did were just things that we thought would add some spark and excitement to our sex life. And, and we, I mean, we did role play. I don't know people. I don't know if if you're if people aren't role playing, then I don't. I I don't know. Whatever. But I mean, we did role play, and we did. Um, you know, he, we were very open and honest during our sex life and and with that that led to more porn watching alone that led to more yeah you watch I mean, porn alone a lot i literally and i really don't want to put this out there but i'm going to you i already did last time masturbate three and four times a day to the point where it became time to become intimate with my wife i couldn't even perform 
Um, so, which then may mean that we would have to often watch porn just to have sex. Or then we would argue because, again, my wife would feel like she wasn't good enough because right. she wasn't A, B, C, or D. And I didn't look like the women in the porn. And let's just be honest. I mean... Not even that. But then you would say, oh, so you can only have sex with me when I pretend that I'm her or this person or that person. And that wasn't the case at all. But instead of coming to my wife and saying, okay, listen... I am having a hard time with this. I'm struggling with this. I didn't. And instead of coming to my husband and saying, listen, I am really struggling with um, having to pretend to be so-and-so or role-playing and, um, you know, being this while you're this and all that stuff that I'm struggling, I didn't tell him that. I just, you know, kind of kept my mouth shut and went along with it because, um, I mean, in past relationships, I... I mean, it, it was nothing new for me. So, um, I think that there was a complete breakdown of communication starting a long time ago, way before the affair started, when we called ourselves trying to do something good for our intimate relationship. We didn't consider the effects that it would have on each other's psyche and each other's self-esteem. So, um... It was something that we kind of just ignored up until today that um, when he thought I was detached from him um, and on Facebook and texting and, you know, going back and forth and with memes with friends and all that stuff, that was my way of disassociating from the pain of the reality of my relationship with my husband. It was easy to get on Facebook and get involved in other people's lives and posts and all that stuff um, rather than... Um, just sit in silence or talk to my husband about the pain that I was experiencing in my own life. Um, so that is what I did. I detached. I put my attention elsewhere. Um, that way I didn't have to put my attention into something that hurt me. And looking back on it now, it would have been much easier just to look at him and say, I don't want to do that anymore. Um, and this is why. And if he couldn't accept it, then, you know, we needed to probably move on then. Um, but, and that's why we made our mistakes was to help you guys. (laughs) Yeah. So hopefully somebody will learn from this. Um, it, it, it was, I don't think it was intentionally malicious what we were doing to each other. I think that we really did think that we were helping each other out, but I do think that, um, we completely disregarded how it was going to make the other person feel because both of us acted like it was something that was very nonchalant and didn't bother us at all. So, um, like he said, um, you know, instead of talking to me about how he felt, um, and putting in the effort of, you know, building up his wife, um, it was more of, you know, well then fine, I will put the effort into pursuing, um, this girl at work who wants me and I'm not making any excuses for him at all because I think what he did was wrong regardless but Trust at the me, same that is time not happening. at the same time I understand where he's coming from because I've done the same thing in other relationships um, but it just it's been to the point where we've never even addressed that part because we were so enmeshed in um the discovery of anything physical that went on. So now we have kind of progressed into the emotional, mental, um, spiritual part of the healing process. And these things are coming up. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to, 
put those divorce papers back in the envelope where they're at. And we're going to take them and put them in a safety deposit box. Correct? Yes. That was a pause. Correct? No, that's what we're doing. So we're going to go and we have an appointment this well, don't, week. Don't sound like that's what you want to do. You're <laughs> like, just, yes, I'm that's tired. what we're doing. We're going to go and we have an appointment this week. Um, and we have to sign them in, in the presence of the... Um, administrative paralegal or something um and they'll be notarized but we are not going to go file for divorce right away no we're not at Um, all we're not taking them to the courthouse to file we are going to divorce papers like i said in a previous episode um i called they have no expiration date so um what we're doing and probably i mean some people may identify with this and some people may think that what we're doing is setting ourselves up for failure or it's not healthy or whatever but this is what's working for us and this is what we've decided to do as a couple and it's really none of your guys's business so except um, for we put it on a podcast no i mean their opinion <laughs> their opinion i don't i don't care about their opinion really um, because we're doing it the way that we've decided that we yeah. want to do it and it's nobody else's business how we go about this um, but anyway, um, what we've decided to do was to put them away in a safety deposit box and, um, basically out of sight, out of mind, but we paid for them. So we, I don't want to burn them. I don't want to drip them up. It was $500 preparation fee. So, um, we are going to put them there. And in the event that anything comes out that he has not divulged to me, thus far um we do have a clause in there that says that that in the event that anything comes out that he has not divulged about his physical or emotional relationship with him um anything that comes out of any messaging that went on beside outside of the dates that he has admitted to um he does agree to there's pay just clauses in yeah there. he agrees to, to pay go. spousal support and then there's some other things in there that he agrees to as well so those that was his idea to include that in the divorce papers so those will sit there um in the event that does happen then you know those papers will come out and those clauses will be um carried out um but i am the one who doesn't feel comfortable ripping them up or shredding them or throwing them away i it's kind of a safety blanket for me right now, I think, and I don't expect for really anybody to understand. I, under- um, I understand. But that is my safety blanket for right now because, um, as everyone knows, when there is an affair, there is no trust. So, um, that's the plan. That's the plan is to keep them in the safety deposit box. Now, when he says 48 hours, he means, um, if anything comes up to where we feel like this is the end, we can't do this anymore. Um, whether it's about the the stuff with M or whether it's something in the future. Um, if it's to the point where we feel as though we can't do this anymore, we're going to take a break for 48 hours, get our thoughts together, come together. And if we can't resolve it in 48 hours, then we will file the divorce papers and proceed with the divorce. So guys, that's where we're at. Sorry we've not been posting as much as we should. We are in the process of packing, um, in the process of trying to get our lives straight. Yeah, I've um, trying I, to work. I'm sorry. Um, a lot of it's on me. I've been dealing with some things, and it is a lot um, of it has been on her. Shut up! I've been be- dealing with some things recently, and and then um, our freaking been kind psychic, of distracted, and then, then Casey's our psychic, been doing his thing, and 
whatever. It's there's been a lot going on and there's a lot of change going on and and, a and lot then our of, psychic nailed everything in like the first episode. Yeah, that we have and then to Elizabeth. <laughs> and then Elizabeth, the interview we did with Elizabeth, she literally predicted so many things that we haven't announced to anybody, including you guys or family or friends or anything yet. So we can't upload that episode because simply it would. Just so hopefully expose you guys, a lot of stuff that nobody knows. So hopefully you guys will get this episode. Today. You already recorded one, right? Yeah, I recorded one. So you guys episode. will get this episode today. The one Tara recorded while I was gone today. And then you guys will hopefully get both of those. Well, probably not both of them. One this week and one next week. Hopefully that's the plan. So, um... Yeah, so that's where we're at. I just wanted to, you know, do an episode and let you guys know. I told you guys that we would follow up once, you know, the divorce papers came and we started having that discussion. Um, once we had had time to actually process that and as a couple, you know, decide what we wanted to do. And so we've had that and we wanted to just kind of reach out really quick and let you guys know... Um, because we promise to be real and we promise to be genuine. So, and there are going to be times where, you know, we're emotional on our podcasts and we'll cry or laugh or whatever. But I mean, we promise to be real and it is what it is. And this isn't a very emotional journey. Life is a very emotional journey. And there's going to be days where we're doing a podcast to celebrate. And there's going to be days where we're doing a podcast and one of us cries. I or... can't wait for those. <laughs> one of us cries or, you know, needs to take a break and walk out of the room. Um, I don't really believe in editing a lot, so, you know, it is going to be what it is. What you guys hear is sometimes just a typical discussion between me and KC. And if you guys want the podcast that we listened to this morning, just message Tara. Um, You can either message on her Facebook or her personal Facebook if you're friends with her, and she can send you the link to the podcast. Yeah, so um, in closing, what I want to say to my husband first is that I'm sorry. I'm sorry for allowing, um... You don't have anything to be sorry for. I, I know, but I, I'm sorry for allowing myself to um, take the easy road out and to disassociate and detach rather than have difficult conversations. And... So now we just have difficult conversations <laughs> on a podcast. And have difficult conversations and actually be the wife that you needed because it was easier for me to just zone off or to pretend that it didn't happen. We've spent a lot of years taking the easy road and so that's why we both vowed to each other to not take the easy road anymore. So if you're listening to this and you guys have been through the same thing, don't take the easy road. Just do the hard stuff. The hard conversations have turned out to be some of the best conversations we've had. Um... Are you crying too? (laughs) Um, They've brought us closer. Um, Some of the hard conversations, we have learned more about each other in a short hour, two hour conversation than we've learned in 10 years. Bro, we've never had a short one to two Um, hour conversation. The hard ones are the ones that I've noticed have brought us closer to each other. And I've learned so much more about him just by letting him 
learn about me and what I like and what I don't like. It's kind of like we've started to rediscover each other it's all over like we're again. dating. Yeah, we've literally regressed to like we were when we were dating, which isn't a bad thing because I think we skipped a lot of that whenever we were dating. Yeah. So um, We had four kids to take yeah. care of. So um, now we have all the time in the world just to be together and um, have these hard discussions. And um, even though I am the I don't want to say victim because I hate that word but I'm the one who was um, cheated on I still feel like um, I have a responsibility to do my part in reconciling our marriage and working on myself as well and I do identify that I am the queen of disassociating and that I did do that I did disassociate and zone off and not talk to my husband about things that were hurting me because I didn't want to argue and I didn't want him to not accept me and I was scared that the things that I didn't enjoy were things that he did enjoy and that it would cause problems between us so um like I said for that I am sorry I should have a hundred percent communicated to you how I felt and given you a chance to accept me or not I just assumed you wouldn't um and from now on you have my word that that will never happen again. Um, Mine too, Mine if, too. if it's something that I'm not comfortable with or that you're not comfortable with, that 100% we love each other and accept each other enough to um, give each other the liberty of expressing how we feel. And I want you to know that I accept you no matter what, even though, you know, there's some times where you're on my last nerve. And so... <laughs> I love you, um, and, and I I, love you. I don't want to spend a day without you. Me either. Even though the even though the papers will be in the safety deposit box, um, we may forget to pay for it one month and they empty. <laughs> Who knows? I just want you to know that I appreciate the hard work that you're putting in, because you really are. You've put in a lot of work. Thank you. And I'm. Sh- shocked by the amount of work that you've put in on this and we have good days and we have bad days but um I want to thank you for the work that you've put in on our marriage and you've put in me and in yourself and um I promise I promise to be a better wife and a more um communicative what communicative wife a better communicator um, and a more vulnerable wife and um, perfect that's all make sure that on for. my end that you are taken care of as well and I promise to take care of you too so on that note see you guys later Hopefully thank you, you guys get more for listening this week um, I do want to say that there is a website that we do frequently frequently use um, that is an affair recovery website. It is tremendous. It has tons of um, educational material. It is ran by an actual marriage and family therapist. Um, and if you guys want that, just message to I think it. Can share the link. I'm pretty sure the link is affairrecovery.com. You can go on Google and just type in affair recovery. They're based out of Houston, Texas. Um, they do a free online boot camp. That's a seven day online boot camp. It is for free. Um, they do retreats. They do, um, like kind of like, um, group sessions with other 
people who are victims of a fair recovery um that it is called hold on um i'm getting the website right now it's right there what are you doing um, it is called a fairrecovery.com. So um, they have free resources. They have the free boot camps. They have the retreats that you can go to. Um, we are actually starting the free seven day boot camp. I'm not even gonna say we. Casey has actually started the yes, seven day boot camp. I have not even looked at it. He has done tons of work and I've not. So I'm not even gonna act like I have, but um, he has signed up for it. So we are going to give that a try. Um, they are based out of Houston, Texas, I think. They're somewhere in Texas. I did do the refer a friend and did type in your email address just to <laughs> glow a little bit. Um, they also have a podcast. Um, the podcast they do is called Unfaithful. Um, and it was the podcast that we started listening to whenever we first learned that it existed. I would, yeah, I mean, of course, listen to ours, but I will tell you that some of the material that we um, explore and some of the material we do talk about comes a lot from theirs. Um, it is a very, very, very um, therapeutic and healing podcast. So I know many of you friends have reached out to me and, um, voiced that you know your experiences have been kind of the same and some of you have had different experiences that um you've said that how much we've helped you so i wanted to let you guys know where we get a lot of our help and one of those resources has been affairrecovery.com and um the unfaithful podcast which is ran um by the people who were an understudy basically of the affairrecovery.com um developer so they follow the same model um so if anybody has any questions about anything any therapeutic models we use um like i said we're not experts at all in this neither of us are therapists we're just two people who were married who ended up being in um, a very imperfect marriage who are trying to just get through it and so um the advice we give isn't on a professional level. It's on a real, just everyday level. No, but professional. I have experience. Oh, shut up. But these people are actual the prof- actually the professionals. So um, it, message me if you want the link. I can send the links to you. Um, if you need the name of, if you're in the area and you need the name of our marriage therapist that we go to, we can give that to you. I can send you a link from the magazine that we use of different marriage and um, affair counselors in your area. Any of those resources, I'll be more than happy to send. Um, but until next time, um, of course, always, always, always go to your favorite listening platform and um, catch up on the episodes. Um, don't forget to like, don't forget to subscribe and, um, also don't forget to rate us on Apple. Um, I think Google and Spotify also have the rating tool. Um, the more rates and stars we get, the, you know, the more prevalent our podcasts become and the more available it becomes to other people. So, um, and that's what we're doing this for. We're doing this to help ourselves, but to help others as well. So don't forget to like and subscribe and rate us. And until next time, thank you guys for listening and see you guys later.